Hello, I'm Kyle Dyer, and welcome to Colorado Inside Out on this December 16th, 2022. We have a mix of topics to discuss that impact Coloradans in different ways. So let's get started with our panel. Tonight, we have Patricia Calhoun, founder and editor of Westward. Also, David Kopel, research director with the Independence Institute. Eric Sanderman is back from vacation. Eric is a columnist with Colorado Politics and the Denver and Colorado Springs Gazettes. And then we also have Debbie Brown with us, the president of the Colorado Business Roundtable. Thanks for all everyone for being here. Migrants continue to come into Denver from the southern border. The city has reported that more than 300 migrants have arrived in Denver over the last month. That number was released following the arrival of about 90 migrants who arrived last week, and more have continued to come in the days since. Patty, it seems like this is going to continue at a regular pace. Well, and it's been going on for a long time in different ways. Colorado is very welcoming to refugees in general. So if you look along East Colfax, you'll see such a diverse population, many of them refugees from Asia, from Africa. We, and it adds a lot to our city to be so diverse. This has been kind of a media blow up. It's when 90 people get off a bus at Union Station and they're not, say, coming from Oh, Centennial on a tour of the lights downtown, but they, they actually got a lot more attention. Many of those migrants are from Venezuela, but it's fascinating that all the rumors were they were coming from Miami, they were being flown here, Texas was sticking them in a liberal city, and really, these people came up with their own plan somehow to get here. Many of them don't want to stay in Denver. They just are going on to friends, family, and other destinations, but this got them out of the Texas and got them up here. You can hardly blame them for wanting to leave. Fortunately, the city seems to be accommodating people in the rec centers and other emergency shelters. And people are being very generous with donating clothes, which people weren't ready for, and other things for the holidays. So I think soon this will get back to normal. It would not be such a sensational th sensation. We have to remember, we are always a city where people are coming. Sometimes legally, sometimes not. Mm -hmm. David, the city at first said they enacted an emergency response when that group of 90 arrived on the bus from Texas. In October, I was reading, immigrants' rights advocates told the city and, and the state this may be happening. Be prepared. Obviously, under the Biden presidency, there's been a huge increase in unlawful entry into the United States. Under the uh, Obama and Trump administrations, the typical annual figure was about 500,000 uh, land border apprehensions per year. Under Biden, that's gone up. It's more than quadrupled to, to well over 2 million a year. A person who is illegally in the United States and is in Colorado can get welfare payments from the state government. It, it's in the form of something that is misleadingly called the in, Earned Income Tax Credit, which starts off by meaning you get back all the money you paid in income taxes, but then it's refundable, as they say, so it means you get even more money. You get bonus payments uh, that are paid for by the people who do pay taxes. Okay, Eric, as Patty was mentioning, some people come to Colorado and then leave. Others are now in the mix of people who are looking for affordable housing, which we just don't have enough of. Certainly, it takes whatever social problems a city, in this case Denver, has, and it, 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 it further stresses uh, those systems. Uh, it's one of these mixed bags. Denver is a welcoming city, and that Denver ought to be proud of that, and I don't anticipate that changing. At the same time, you don't want to be a magnet city, and it's walking that fine line. But taking this broader, Kyle, bigger picture, 
as long as you have the kind of disparity that we have on the two sides of the border, as long as life in Venezuela and Mexico and Nicaragua and El Salvador and other places is what it is, and life in the United States is what it is, the country is going to be a magnet. You are going to have this problem. Uh, this is a nation of immigrants. We have generally been enriched by immigrants. Immigrants are a net positive in this country, not a net negative. But yet you need to sign the guest book when you arrive. Uh, and immigration policy is something that has been desperately needed uh, in, for 20 years. And I wish I could say I was hopeful. Mm. Debbie, the influx of immigrants adds to our population of those experiencing homelessness. This week, Aurora Mayor Mike Kaufman called on the state legislature to create a law so that local governments cannot transport homeless individuals to other cities and counties without that community's permission. I mean, many of us remember, I think it was a couple of years ago when he actually lived uh, as a homeless person in encampments and in shelters to try to really understand firsthand the problem. And kudos for him for trying to put some new legislation in place this next coming year to make sure that that counties and cities work together, uh, knowing that it's a regional approach. It's not a Denver problem. It's not an Aurora problem. Uh, we all are impacted by what's happening in terms of homelessness. Uh, now the new migrants coming into our cities and also, um, you know, of course, crime that can sometimes happen when it's left unchecked. Um, I would say just also to Eric's point on immigration, um, what's next for these people that are coming to our city in terms of pathways for some kind of opportunity, pathways for perhaps employment. Um, I, I agree that modernizing our immigration system is way past due, and both sides of the aisle on the federal level have failed to really put something in place that, that really um, solves the workforce issue, for one, for large employers who are scrambling for talent in every sector, whether it's high skill, uh, you know, the construction trades. But at the end of the day, these are individuals that we should have compassion for. How do they find, if they're staying here, how do they find a system that helps them find dignity of work uh, as well as the services they need to, to live this winter in our, in our state? Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the reintroduction of wolves into Colorado. The plan is now out as to how Colorado is going to do this and restore a once native species after it was hunted into extinction in the early 1900s. So David, this won't start for another year this plan, this reintroduction. But wolves are already here, migrating down from Wyoming. And so, for example, in October, near Meeker, a wolf pack killed 18 head of 600-pound calves. And that is just a small taste of what, what's coming to Colorado. This year in Idaho, uh, two wolves killed, in one fell swoop, 143 sheep. But at least in Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana, ranchers can shoot wolves that are attacking livestock and dogs. In Colorado, that's a $100,000 fine. And what you can do is you can ask the state government to send out an official government employee hunter uh, on the wolf. But good luck on getting the, the state employee with a gun and the wolf uh, to show up at the same time on, on your property. You can hire guard dogs, but the wolves will attack and kill them. And you're not allowed to shoot the wolf that's attacking your dog either. And supposedly, the wolves are going to get scared off by flattery which is hanging flags on, on fences. The experience in other states shows that much that is not much of a deterrent when it's not backed up 
uh, by lethal force. So the plan is reintroducing a species of wolf in Colorado, reintroducing supposedly a species that never existed in Colorado naturally and it is going to be devastating to rural Colorado. That is the concern. And this, Eric, this is the first voter-approved wildlife recovery plan in the country. In all other cases, the federal government is involved with the Endangered Species Act. And our state constitution allows us to vote on pretty much everything, even if it's something that we don't really know all that much about. You know, here on the Front Range, this passed, but not so much in the rural areas where this will take, have the biggest impact. Oh, you're exactly right, Kyle. I feel like I have a foot in, in both camps. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in Denver uh, significantly, but we're spending more and more time up in Grand County on the western slope. And suffice to say, opinion is very different in those two places. I ran my mouth somewhat about this back during the campaign when it was on the ballot. I thought it was stupid then. I think it is folly to have these kinds of issues be subject to a public plebiscite, public vote, as if you will. Uh, Colorado is very open on the ballot, and you can put most everything on the ballot, and this is indication of that. It is testimony to sort of the feel-good sentiment of a lot of Subaru-driving people uh, in the front range who want to impose this because they can feel good about the endangered species and the reintroduction of wolves, impose this on people in rural Colorado but then not have to live with the consequences. I have to tell you that if these wolves were being reintroduced in, let's say, mountain parks above Golden or above Boulder or above Evergreen or Conifer, public opinion would be way different than it is right now. But this is out of sight, out of mind. It is on the western slope. Now you even have the pro-reintroduction forces, the conservationist forces, if you will, objecting to some of these new rules uh, for, for whatever reason. Uh, it is a mess. Uh, it is a mess of the voters' own doing, and we will see where it goes. Debbie, you work with businesses in Colorado. One of our largest industries in Colorado is ag and the cattle industry. And David was talking about the reality that a lot of people are concerned about who own cattle and worried about their animals and their livelihoods. You know, if now, when wolves return to our state, you know, I'm, I'm really impressed with, the, with the, the ranching industry because they are realizing what is happening, but they're trying to work collectively to try to make it better? I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I think Eric just maybe gave them an idea. Maybe there needs to be a ballot initiative to introduce wolves into Denver metro region. I mean, that would be that would be an interesting conversation um, where those impacts are felt, and not just in rural Colorado, but in, um, you know, urban as well. And of course, that won't happen. But to your point, they um, are ranchers and farmers and, and folks who work in agriculture are, are businesses that are in rural Colorado that are being most affected. Uh, did not want this idea uh, to come about, but I think from all accounts, there's been a lot of collaboration on how to now put the policy into action. And, uh, you know, it looks like there's, there's some agreement, um, you know, not 100% on how that policy looks in terms of 
um, impact-based management, making sure um, you know, farmers and rangers are reimbursed for property damage, and property, of course, is livestock, um, horses, dogs, as we've heard already in this um, segment. But I think the big picture really comes down to it's, it, there's an additional cost to doing business in Colorado. It's one more thing. Uh, now they've got to think about, um, you know, guarding their animals or per maybe perhaps different insurance or different um, infrastructure costs for how do they protect uh, their livestock. So one more cost to doing business um, when we think about policies and how that adds up for business here, uh, you know, it's not good. Mm -mm. I hadn't even thought about that, but you're so right. Patty, this is just another example of the divide between, you know, rural and urban Colorado. Just what we think is best. Well, and you also have the people who really want to say, we, you know, we came into this area and we're the ones who have killed the wolves that were here. You know, the last wolf that was sighted, I think, was in the early 40s here in Colorado. And a few have come down now since they've been reintroduced in other states down from uh, Wyoming where they can be shot. So no wonder they're coming down here. I think we have to give the group that worked on this credit. I mean, there were two stakeholder groups worked with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Let's remember the plan released last week was a draft. You can still put in public comment. There was a lot of collaboration, as Debbie said. They worked hard to come up with um, with something that would work for everyone. They're working on how to how to compensate ranchers when there are problems. They're trying not to make wolves a game animal you can shoot, and that's a big issue. But mostly what we're seeing is that people care about the land. They care about keeping Colorado wild or at least as natural as it can be. So with this collaboration, we hope they come up with something. Obviously, everyone wants this to work at this point. We don't want, it could be a huge mess. But let's, uh, fingers crossed, and feel free to comment because yes. you can comment next month. And I think people are listening to the comments, which is great too. Um, also, while the cost of items continues to increase and inflation soars, Coloradans will begin feeling more of a squeeze in the new year because a new reduction will be made to their paychecks, all Colorado paychecks. January the 1st, Colorado employers must start deducting premiums for a state-managed state insurance program. Eric, you, can you please talk about, it's called the Family and Medical Leave Insurance Program, or FAMLY, as the acronym is. Well, this is something that the voters approved uh, in the election, I guess it was 12 months ago, 13 months ago, as we speak. Uh, it brings to mind the famous quote by H.L. Mencken, the old sage, to the effect of uh, democracy is the theory that the common people know what they want and deserve to get it good and hard. Well, this is something that the voters approved, and now it will come into effect, and it will come into effect with a cost. Let's not forget there is a benefit, and many companies, responsible companies, significant-sized companies, offer family and medical leave benefits, as do government entities. And I'm not here arguing against family and medical leave as a concept, and many other countries around the world are far more generous in their policies than, than, than we are here. But in an inflationary time, I was struck this week by, it was al almost felt like let's have a parade when the inflation number dropped down to 7.1% and the stock market rallied because 7.1% 
annual inflation rate looks fit, it looks good when you're used to numbers in the eights and in the nines. But 7.1 percent is still a very significant number. Uh, our daughter, who is a nurse at Children's Hospital, just got a pay raise yesterday. Well, her pay raise was 2.5 percent, and 2.5 percent, while better than nothing, doesn't do much in an economy that is inflating, where costs are inflating at over 7 percent. This will add. I mean, basically, it will take $1 out of every $200 out of an employee's uh, paycheck to fund this program. The voters approved it, and now they're reaping what they sowed. And Debbie, what are some of the impacts on employers? Well, employers have been prepping for this for this time period where this will be enacted, and I'm, I'm really concerned that a lot of times the employees won't know that this will be taken out of their paycheck. But cost of employers with Colorado Business Roundtable, of course, I have more of the lens of the employer. Um, good employers, large employers, a lot of employers have already been offering benefits such as these, or they've offered other benefits that they think uh, retain and attract staff. So the thought that a one-size-fits-all government top-down approach works for all businesses or even all individuals, I think is, uh, you know, just not accurate. Um, of course, this is the law of the land now, so employers are dealing with it. Um, but it's, again, an overall cost of business that, again, sets Colorado apart to some degree um, from other states. And it doesn't add flexibility in terms of being fluid and trying to attack, attract and retain talent. I will say, for, for businesses, the price tag, um, according to Common Sense Institute, could be about $1.3 billion in total premiums by 2025, which is essentially a 204% increase in the corporate income tax, if you're thinking about it in true numbers for business. Um, we look at the state government as, as one of the largest employers in the state. The same report estimates it's an additional 39 to $94 million a year um, in additional benefits costs just to the state government as well. So while, while benefits are great, more, um, more opportunities for employees, it does come at a cost. And I think we have to understand, again, the unintended consequences of adding a new program that also, um, according to the same report, um, would likely go bankrupt in its second year of claim eligibility. So then where does, where does it go from there? Um, is it backfilled? Uh, anyway, I think I think we need to hold on in times of that we're already seeing with inflation and higher costs for businesses. Um, it's going to be a real big year. The money starts coming out now, but people can't apply to the program for benefits for another year. Right. right. But what we have to remember is this is coming out of COVID, too, where every business wound up having to really shift how they deal with employees. You would hope from the start that they had been uh, careful to people who are valuable employees that they deal with sick days, that they deal with family leave, that they deal with grief, that they have some accommodation. And the fact that voters approved this would indicate either everyone is very nice and they think that should happen, or there are a lot of companies out there that aren't good. What's worrisome, besides the fact that we're taking money out of people's paychecks again, is you've got a whole new level of bureaucracy, and there is no guarantee that this fund is going to work. Okay. David. Well, one of the ways you can tell if whether it's a good idea or not is really the only major employers in Colorado who can choose not to participate are local governments. And 84% of them have chosen not to. So everybody else who's in it, it's, it's pure coercion uh, for something that they likely would not do if they could structure their employee compensation. Part of this passes in the sense that it's a hidden tax. You pay half the tax 
gets paid straight out of the employer's paycheck, employee's paycheck. The other half gets matched and paid by the employer. So people say, oh, well, that's not my problem. The business will pay that. Well, in, in fact, there's the total cost of employing someone. And whether you take that out of the employee's paycheck or the employer's or whatever, it all adds up to about the same. So you've raised, raised the cost of having an employee by about 1% in Colorado, and that will result in, in less hiring, fewer raises for employees down the line. But this, nine-tenths of one percent is what it officially is right now from both sides combined. It can go higher, and by what the voters passed, there's no limit. You can have escalating tax increases forever without even the voters being asked about it again. So that's, I, th I think, a real anti-democratic provision. and. As has been said, the, the Common Sense Institute has run the numbers on it, and it's going to go bankrupt perhaps within its first year. Maybe, maybe it'll get lucky and go on for two or three years, and we'll have another fiasco of, of bad fiscal planning. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now we're at the point of the show where we're going to go do a lightning round and talk about something good, something bad that has happened lately. Um, let's talk about the not so good. Let's start with that, Patty. The uh, it, we knew it was too good to be true. Cryptocurrency uh. and the Sam Bankman Freed rise and fall that is bringing down plenty of people in Colorado Certainly, too. That's true. A new a new low. It is low. Hugely disgraceful was how so many people in the media and so many politicians attacked the El Paso County Sheriff's Office, the, El pa the uh, District 4 District Attorney, and religious people, uh, and blamed them for the Club Q sh shooting. And they were obviously speaking before they knew any facts about it, which is never prudent. And now that the facts have come out, because the court lifted the seal on the, the criminal's previous uh, case with a bomb threat, it turns out that Law enforcement was doing everything it should have, and the reason they couldn't after the, and then the case against the criminal was for the bomb threat was dismissed because the family wouldn't cooperate. And once the case was dismissed, then by a 2019 law enacted by the state legislature and signed by Governor Polis, then that case had to be sealed so all the evidence from the bomb threat incident couldn't be used to try to get a red flag order. Mm. Eric. Well, at the risk of uh, raining on the parade of a lot of CU Buff fans, I have to say, and speaking of inflation here, the contract given to Deion Sanders uh, to be the new football coach with no guarantee that he's going to have any more success with that program than we have seen in many years, $29.5 million over five years, that's before incentive money, that's just base money, uh, with no guarantees. And at the same time of significant tuition increases in an inflationary time, at a minimum, it says something about the university's priorities. Hmm. All right, Debbie. I was able to attend a briefing this week from American Petroleum Institute with some grim predictions for what's happening in Europe, especially around rising energy costs and, and food scarcity coming. And I think it brings home to me, you know, our own um, worries about infrastructure here in Colorado. It's about infrastructure, not only across the country, for our energy producers, but here in Colorado. So hoping, ho I'm, uh, I'm hoping that we will see what's grim happening there and, and turn it into to better policy here. I hope so too. All right, let's talk about something that might have impressed you this week. Well, let's just say I'm going against all these extra costs by saying there are lots of great free events going on in Denver and the metro area right now. Free light shows, free parades, 
free markets, although you want to spend money there. So get out and enjoy the holidays, and you don't have to open your wallet. Mm -hmm. There is actually a good football team in Colorado. The Colorado School of Mines or Diggers have won 13 games. That's more than the Broncos, CU, and CSU combined. And on Saturday, they are playing for the Division II National Championship against Ferris State. It's so exciting, isn't yes. it? School of Mines is doing great. Yeah. That's great. Love that, David. That's great. Uh, a quick double one. One to Jim Beneman, retiring anchor at uh, CBS4. What a career. What a good human being. Way to go, Jim, and best wishes in the future. And secondly, just a shout out to all those people who have to work on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to make our society, to make our uh, path continue moving forward while the rest of us celebrate. My daughter as a nurse is one of those people. Uh, but just a shout out to everyone who toils on the holidays so the rest of us can celebrate. I agree with you there. Thank you. And I'd already given them a shout out, but again, kudos to Common Sense Institute, where this week they released their rankings book of Colorado on key economic indicators and how we compare with other states. So when we think about policy, data is king. And this is one of those um, data sources of the rankings book that we look to. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you all. We appreciate you coming on and sharing tonight. And, of course, we welcome your comments as well. So please share them with us on our social media pages or email us at cio at pbs12.org. And one more reminder, you can catch Colorado Inside Out anytime on YouTube or on pbs12.org. I am Kyle Dyer. Thank you for watching Colorado Inside Out. We will see you next Friday night here on PBS 12.